The first reading can be found on page 237 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. And it is from 1 John chapter 2, commencing to read at verse 18. Children, it is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But by going out, they made it plain that none of them belongs to us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and all of you have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and you know that no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Everyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he has promised us, eternal life. I write these things to you concerning those who would deceive you. As for you, the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and so you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he is revealed, we may have confidence and not be put to shame before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who does right has been born of him. This is the word of the Lord. Speak to God. Please stand for the Gospel reading. This can be found on page 106 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. 
abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Heavenly Father, give us grace to hear and receive your holy word for us today, because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As I walked up the steps, I noticed my address from Mary Rag's funeral uh, that I left here by mistake. And in truth, I'd rather be preaching this than the subject for this morning. But I won't. We've been very blessed here at All Saints, but it's not at all uncommon for there to be splits in a church congregation. It usually happens when a small or even a large group have a difference of opinion with the rest of the congregation. It might be about the style of worship. We have nothing to complain about. It might even be about decisions made by the PCC. But do keep on making them, won't you? When it's a theological disagreement, though, things can get very tricky because it ends up being about which group is really holding on to the truth as they see it. We can't put an exact picture together of the historical situation which the writer John is addressing in our epistle passage today, but it's very obvious that there's been some sort of break-up within the church. One group has stayed with the church, and John continues to write to them to encourage them to hold firm to the faith and to look at their relationship with the Lord, to be faithful, that they may know and have eternal life. Another group has gone away from the church and this group is causing problems and are trying to persuade others to join them. They are causing the faithful to doubt and to question the truth that has been given to them. John is warning the congregation against the leavers because they are a problem And it comes to a collision point in our text today when the word antichrist is used. Some of you may recall Hollywood films, horror films in truth, made about the antichrist. What is it about that word antichrist which makes our ears prick up and increases our interest? They and we now and over the centuries, are told to watch out for the Antichrist. Over the generations, there have been a number of individuals who were identified as the Antichrist. Emperor Nero, who ruled Rome from 37 to 68 AD, was a popular choice, and not without reason. Nero persecuted Christians so ruthlessly that even people who were against Christianity sided with the Christians 
against Nero's barbarity. Dreadfully, I believe, multiple popes are the all-time most popular contender for the title of Antichrist. The accusation is always made by an extreme Protestant who has assumed, with no justification whatsoever, that the office of the papacy is the office of the Antichrist. Hitler, for many obvious reasons, was called the Antichrist, as were so many other tyrants and despots. And then Napoleon, Gorbachev, Bill Gates, and even the World Wide Web made it onto the list. But here we need to be a little careful and look closely at Scripture. We need to do this because there are only four verses in the whole of Scripture which mention the Antichrist. And all of them are in John's epistles. We've read two of them today. 1 John 2.18 Dear children, this is the last hour and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. And then a little later, who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. By the way, those words, the last hour, are better translated, a last hour. The hours are leading up to the eventual culmination of all things. And we recall that Scripture tells us that with God, a day is as a thousand years. The other two mentions are in uh, 1 John 4 verse 3. Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. And the final one is in 2 John 7. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the Antichrist. St. Paul talks about the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians, but not as the Antichrist. And in the book of the Revelation, there are beasts, dragons, demons, satanic legions, and a false prophet, but no mention of antichrists. The antichrist is not one specific individual who appears at one specific point in time. Antichrist is a collective. It refers to a group of people who have come in the past and who are still coming and who denied that Jesus is divine, that Jesus is Lord. Which means that the main criteria for Antichrist identification, yes, there are people who spend an awful lot of time looking at this, the main criteria is not a moral one. You aren't the Antichrist just because you persecute the church and put Christians to death, St. Paul did that. He wasn't the Antichrist. You aren't the Antichrist just because 
you have behavior which morally breaks the laws of Scripture, if that was the case, all of us could be identified as antichrist at some point in our lives. Moral deficiency is not the main criteria for so-called antichrist identification. The main criteria for that identification is a theological one, and it can so often be from within the spectrum of the Christian faith itself. They deny that Jesus is the Christ. They do not acknowledge the incarnation, that God in Jesus Christ has come to us, and yet they still claim to be Christians. Which is what makes Antichrist identification so difficult. Because in many cases, those who fit the scriptural criteria of being Antichrist, well, they actually don't seem to be such terrible people. John draws our attention to this reality in verses we've just read in 1 John. Let me remind you, he says, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us. They went out from us but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showing that none of them belonged to us. Do you hear what John said? Really hear? Many antichrists have come. They went out from us. Now, forgive the use of modern church language, but... They were on the church door, welcoming. They were on the coffee rotor with us. They sat in our home group with us. They shared the Lord's Supper with us. They were standing around the baptism pool with us. They were with us, and now they are not. Now, let's be specific. John isn't talking about people who, for example, were part of our church, all saints, and who now go to another church for whatever reason. That is normal church life, and often a positive thing. It's simply known as transfer, and the receiving church benefits from so-called transfer growth, which they sometimes just claim as growth, but we know it isn't. John is talking here, though, about those who move on from the church and move on from ministry and from the faith and from relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Usually such people don't become difficult people who scream against the church and all matters of faith, although sometimes they do. In fact, usually, those who walk away from Christ continue to be what they've always been. Very nice people. We meet them every now and then for coffee. And we would talk about all sorts of things because we had a shared history. Sometimes, if we needed help when we were sick, 
they would come over and vacuum our home, do our washing and bring a meal. When our car broke down and we were stuck, they would drive us somewhere and it helped so much. They are such nice people, genuinely. We perhaps know that they don't now believe that God really has come in the flesh. But aren't they really such nice people? Ironically, it's because they are such nice people that they can create a huge spiritual problem for us. When they invite us to their child's first birthday or grandchild's first birthday, yes, it's on a Sunday, yes, we'll need to miss church, but they are such nice people. We should go, and who knows, maybe on another occasion, we can get them to come to church with us. Of course, it doesn't mean we can never miss church for a social reason. I'm always doing it. But the habit, maybe even the rot, can so easily set in. And we want to be nice as well. So because we want to be nice, we stop. We stop talking about church and faith and God. We stop asking them to come to church events because we know they'll say no anyway and we really don't want to cause a fuss. But you know, those nice people we were talking about, the ones who went out from us, the ones who nicely deny that Jesus is the Christ, this is what John says is their agenda. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. They are trying to lead you astray. For the sake of being, ni- being nice to nice people who deny Jesus is Christ, we have seen a whole generation of people transition out of the church and into a purely secular world. They were led astray. Being nice will not make one scrap of eternal difference to anyone who denies that Jesus is Lord. So many people in this country, people we know, were part of the church in the past. Personally, I can think of literally hundreds of young people from this very church who no longer say, literally or figuratively, Jesus is Lord. This nation does have a past spiritual heritage, but there is a growing antagonism to Christian faith. There are literally millions of people who went out who didn't really belong. John's warning here is not to stay away from them. Don't do that. John's warning is don't be led astray. Don't let the Antichrist spirit set the agenda. Let Jesus Christ set the agenda. The agenda is not be nice. The agenda is live out your spirit anointing. Follow the truth. Acknowledge the Son. Remain in the kingdom. Be confident and unashamed of your faith. That is the agenda. That is our main calling. It's a radical calling. 
is a transformational calling. Run with perseverance the race marked out. Not stroll along with your hands in your pockets. That was my translation, by the way, not the original. Coming into the family of faith brings us into a battle. And we are given the armour of God to protect us and to equip us in the battles that rage around us. The call to faith is radical, transformational, focused. It's like that because it's the only way to eternal life. May God give us grace to follow that holy calling. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy 